<coughs> well, it's been a month since I've been inside Yuma with an address. God knows I'd have picked somewhere else if I'd have known it'd have been hell like this. Uh, I mean, but it's a bearable hell. Uh, I just don't understand it though. I uh, I got word from the VA, VA administration. Sent me word on the 28th, didn't get it to the 15th of March. Um, so now I gotta respond back within, I think 28 days or 30 days. So, uh, it seems like they're looking for more evidence. And I don't know if it's against the hospital or against OHSU. It's not against the VA. But I just took the weekend off. I got that Thursday. Figured I'm not going to do anything because it took me a few days actually to get that shit off as far as a suit to these places. And then they say, well, they have no responsibility over that. But then that's okay. I decided to take the week off, not the week, a couple of days off, because I had done a podcast in a minute. It's just a few things I just needed to say. Um, since being here in Yuma, now, you know, I can bear with the trailer, the trailer, you know, it's a piece of shit, but for $400 a month, in a cooler, water cooler, even have cooler shit. I'm in heaven. Um, it's manageable, it's bearable. I just set up where I didn't getting TV antenna. Now, what am I doing out here? I'm in a desert because after Monday, I just needed to get out. That's Yuma. Yuma's is not a big place, maybe 100,000, maybe a little more. spread out people bearable now this dude next door to me uh bastard crazy as a fuck um, i'm sure he claimed white hispanic but that's not the thing the thing is this motherfucker's crazy as shit and he'd be in this camper hollering all night you know cussing madre drink madre shit like that saying in English, get out, you know, and I'm, get out of here, motherfucker. So I don't know if he's talking to me or something in his fucking head. Uh, he look at me like he fucking crazy, but that's cool, too. Stay over there, because I ain't my bullet don't know a crazy motherfucker from a straight motherfucker. All they know is that motherfucker aimed at when you pull it. Pull that trigger. But he kind of crazy, and he been going on with this fucking noise, you know. Um, when he doing it, much, I make noise and I keep his ass up. I do, I did that once, ain't have no trouble for a while, and then he come back with this other, 
cussing again, but you know, 10 o'clock, you're not stupid. No, it's 10 o'clock. You cut that shit off the other night. It was 1 o'clock, and that was Friday. They, you know, didn't, wasn't loud with it. Because I had the TV on loud, my little window open, catching that breeze from the evap pulling. And um, he said, now there was somebody, I don't even know who, but I didn't cover my window up or anything. I looked at TV. Once I started nodding out, then I went up and controlled the TV. But he was out there, fuck, I don't know how long. All I know is I went to sleep, and I'm not worrying about him no fucking more. Can't afford to get that energy away to that crazy motherfucker. Because then again, he crazy. So I don't know, you know, where he coming from. I don't know half of the shit he's saying. All I know is he cussing. Telling motherfuckers to get out. I don't know if she's telling somebody to get out the camp. Because he's usually over there by himself. So, uh, with that, you know, I'm just like, okay. But I, I, I leave it alone, you know. Now, another thing I see around the camp is uh, the white guy who run it. Mark Marty, I don't know his fucking name. I forgot his name. But anyway, he uh when new people come in, I seen a white come in and give him a nice special trip over there. He didn't say nothing about that fucker was being vacant. Now, and I notice things when I'm around a place. I notice ain't nobody come in and out that damn trailer who used it. I mean, oh I noticed no one had had come out of it. So I didn't notice it until uh I see him showing it to white guy dropped the keys in his hand it seems like he won't he trying around him he got the wife now another thing what I saw was uh okay he got cats around there massive amount of cats it can't be very fucking sanitary or clean now I borrowed the fucking rake a couple of times. One from the lady, one from fucking uh, 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 people who live over there. Now, you know, and when I asked about it, you know, that cat shit, I said, well, where do I get a rake from? You know, thinking that I had to do it, but instead of him saying, you know, I got people usually cleaning it, he didn't tell me that. Now, I, uh, they got the black lady who lived there, got bad legs, you know, and she's kind of heavy, so, you know, it's not helping her. Uh, she walk around there like, you know, you got these fucking severely knocked knees and uh, like a fucking clamp. And she walk around there with a basket and uh, in the basket she'll have a garbage can and she'll have a rake and, um, oh shit. Breaking something, breaking a uh, scooper, dustpan, you know, handle dustpan. So I noticed I around that cleaning shit. Now I heard somebody on the back of my trailer once before breaking up stuff. Now they, it was her. She rake up stuff, and also now I noticed a couple of blacks around there. The dreadlock, well, maybe he's not a dreadlock. He's from. Uh, Jamaica, but you know, he live out front and he got these two chihuahuas he always let him fucking run around. Little ill-mannered dog, but I guess he on leash now. You gotta put him on leash there, cause you know, it got pretty on the leash. I ain't say nothing. I don't tell nobody fuck, man. I don't even give a damn. I just keep pretty on the leash for pretty benefit. 
And I don't give a damn nobody. But see, people like to say, hey, look, you know, this man ain't got no problem. And they bring you in the middle shit when you don't know you're in the middle shit. But, you know, the guy never did fucking talk to me. Talk to me that once when he was passing through there and I was uh, signing my paperwork and he introduced me to him and the white boy who walk around. Now, this uh, uh, Jamaican dude walking around with this white dude. And when I first saw him, you know, there's out there under the hooded cars. And I always see them together, which, I mean, cool. Now, a couple of weeks ago, two weeks after I had been in there, I'm walking the dog one evening. And the white guy, he he live on the, I guess if I walk out my camp, he would live on the left side, the left entrance. And... That's the one I usually go out of, but he's a couple of trailers from the sidewalk. And so, you know, he must have been cooking, having a barbecue, picnic, or whatever one day. And I see the one black guy, I don't know where this guy come from. I didn't see the uh, Jamaican dude there. And I saw the, the, the uh, black woman, not me, woman walking up there. Now, he saw me, he said, hey, come on over here, grab yourself a beer. I said, no, nah, I'm good. And he kind of like looked at me, like, whoa, what the fuck is this? I mean, honestly, expect me to just say, hey, yeah, sure. No, I uh, definitely don't give a damn if they got other blacks around there. What? I don't hang around nobody who's drinking no fucking alcohol because it tends to uh, uh, bring out the worst of people. Not even intended to, but you know, fuck, I don't hang around no alcohol. I mean, the shit will come to you when you're not even around it. So why would I hang around it? I never did make a practice of doing that. Even when I worked around it, I usually didn't hang around it. Uh, now, I noticed that not only does this woman clean up that cat shit, that massive amount of fucking cat shit. I see this dude walk around the day cleaning up shit. Looking at him, okay. So he clean up shit. The black woman clean up the cat shit around there. But neither one of these motherfuckers clean up the shit around my fucking camper. You hear me? Not a one. And I uh just cleaned up mine the other day and I asked the girl instead of her saying, hey, you know, I'll get that later, she said, fuck all. So here it is, you know, I'm supposed to clean up around my own shit, but that's cool. You know what I do? I fucking spike that shit with cayenne pepper. I fucking laced it on it. I'm going to get some more and lay some more underneath there. And I mean, you know, fuck it. I'm keeping the cats away. And they're not my cats. And I just think it's fucking horrible that these two people, black people, will not clean around my camp, but clean around everybody else's camp around there. These black people. Now, <laughs> but, is that an odd thing? Actually, living in uh, Yuma here, I see it's pretty fucking typical. Damn Mexicans do it to yourself and to black. See, this racial hierarchy shit is just so fucking crazy. You got the whites here. 
You got the white Hispanics. Just to hire them. Then you got the Hispanic. And I guess you got the Indians. Then I guess you got the niggas. <laughs> but that's just the way it is. Now, I noticed that and I don't tend to be in it. I uh, generally go to places where I know I'm going to get the respect. I think I'm warranted. But I, uh, sometimes it's just unavoidable. Okay. Now, I've been inside Yuma a month, uh, and that was Wednesday. I went to, uh, might have been Thursday. I tried to pay this bill before I completely forgot. Insurance company just sent me a check, you know, a fucking check I can't use now. Go get a cash at Walmart. It's a seven dollars and ninety-five cent check. Go get a cash at Walmart for fucking four dollars, and I refuse to give them more than half of what the fucking check worth. <laughs> but anyway, I was had to pay my utility bill. And really, it's just a small bill with the deposit. I go there and I pay it. I will try to pay it. I go to. Uh, I looked up on my phone to find out where can I pay my bill. Because I actually would have mailed it in. Got the money, ought to mail it in. And that's what I'm going to do for now on. Or either go back to uh, the fries. That's where I pay the fries, right around the corner from the house on Fort. And I, uh, now I done been to this Del Sol. This Del Sol at 3rd and 4th. Uh, Fourth. Fourth, Fourth, Fourth Avenue and 3rd Street. And I've been in it before, and the first time I walked in, I could not believe this place is open because of the smell of it. Uh, their soul, you know, the sun, the soil. And I mean, it is a rancid place, you know. It smells like, you know, dead meat or blood and went down a drain, and nobody taking the time to clean it, or nobody uh, uh, chasing where this sound, uh, uh, this sound, the smell is emitting from. Uh... But hey, you know, I mean, I've been in stores like that before and I usually just care for what I buy. I don't buy anything to eat out of these stores because you never know where it's actually coming from. And that could be a source of contaminant and, you know, fucking death, kill people. So, I mean, I, last time I went in there, I think was for fucking tobacco. Um, and they cheated me. But see, I've got a problem because I go in there and they try to tend like they don't fucking see you. Now, it's not that they were done direct and blatantly. Last time I went in there, I went to self-checkout. And this was at the Del Soil. So, anyway, I uh, know I could go go there and pay uh, my APS bill. I went there at 9 o'clock in the morning. And just after 9 o'clock. And... Uh, First went around the register and was coming around a sort of spot because I thought it was on the other side. Sort of spot where the cash checked the little booth and case with glass. Upper portion and case with glass, rather. So uh, this lady was at the uh, the booth in front that don't have any glass. That's a you know petition wall, you know where the manager jury or shit go on. 
or the floor managers. And as soon as I walked around there, I was about to exit something, and she held up her hand and walked away. Okay, it must be important, I'm thinking. And she go to the front door, and this guy's standing up there. And I, he's got a red shirt on, too. Now, when this... Uh, Uh, a woman had a red shirt on. So, you know, I know from experience they the manager because black shirts is the ones who work. That don't mean they ain't racist because one of them walked up to me at the other store like and looked me up and down like, who do you think you are coming in here? And I could not believe it. But anyway, the first store, Del Soil, I uh, see the guy coming towards me. Now these dark Mexicans, you know, I wasn't wasn't mistaking you for no fucking Hispanic. Now the girl, you know, she's short, but you know, she got all the features of a fucking uh, Mexican. But the thing is, you're just a little bright skin, so you're not really fooling me. And uh guy come up to me, excuse me, can I help you? I'm like thinking to myself, motherfucker, for real? I said, yeah, I came to pay this APS bill. Uh, she's closed right now. She'll be back in a half an hour. She's at lunch. And I just looked at him like, you stupid motherfucker. Didn't say another word and just walked the fuck out. You know, and I could have raised hell. I could have raised holy hell, but... What would that have proven? What the fuck? I'm gonna fight them to spend my money that they get credit for that shit, I believe, huh? But it don't matter. They don't want credit for my motherfucking money. Maybe they don't get credit, but it's a fucking uh, um, duty they said they would pick up. Not be biased with it, but that's okay. <laughs> I walked out the store and I was uh went in the car, drove on off, drove drove out the wrong exit too, <laughs> drove out the exit right onto Fourth Street. That's the entrance only. I drove right out that motherfucker, and uh, was driving home. I said fuck it, don't get upset. I was and I wasn't. I wasn't about to get upset over no shit like that. You know, you stupid fucking people. I just don't understand that. You know. Okay, you, 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 this dude was literally dark as I am, and he pulled shit like this. So, I go up to the next girl, so, the son, right at 16th and, uh, 16th Street and, uh, 4th half. Walked in there, I'm like, whoa, okay, no smell. <laughs> Went over to the counter, stood up there, and just stood there. And waited. Now I see one, two, three, four, five people up front. One working on the veggies, two over on the other side. One of them even had the gall to show me she got balls enough to come up there, look me up and down, drop a little fucking hand carry basket, and walk off like she all that and her shit don't smell like nothing but roses. With a little chili powder on. Oh my own, okay. 
And I stood there a minute more. Looked around, nobody wanted to acknowledge me. Huh. Ain't nothing. My motherfucking money. I still got it too, and ain't about to fight for it. Just a minor convenience, you stupid fucks. And I, myself, won't go in there. So, Del Sol is Del Soil to me. Now, the ironic part about all of this is these people are, except for a few of them, just about as dark as me. <laughs> like, I don't think they think it. Or they really got that in mind, like they words of anything, and they're not treating me no fucking special way. They just being them. What did them encompass? They don't think it's being racist. So I'm I'm dark. How could I be racist? Bullshit if you care. I mean in New Orleans we did it the best. Brown paper bag test. I know this on TV. Doing this final four, how these uh Black kids are so fucking bright. Most of them are fucking bright. Nah, they're not pulling bright ones out. You know where that's come from? These college, these elite colleges drafting these, or not drafting, pulling these kids out. And they are only getting certain ones that look certain ways because that's the way they introduce them into those systems that typically don't have blacks, you know, and they'll have a few of them. I looked at one game, had all nothing but black. More than half of them were yellow. And then they threw a white boy in there. But, uh, you know, it's kind of crazy with this shit here. And in human, you know, it's... Did I expect it? I think I expect that everywhere, but to this extent from deal. I've, I've got it from them before. You know what I mean? It ain't nothing new. But the thing is, it's fucking absolutely crazy. I mean, in New Mexico, you know, I, when I was in New Mexico, I got the same shit there around Las Cruces. And I mean, this shit was so bad around there. I'm like, I was fucking dreaming about it. And I actually had a dream. Uh, about those three crosses and I was dying so I actually left Las Cruces a week after I had that dream uh, because it was some bullshit I mean every time I used to walk uh, and this was the first time I went up there without a car I used to walk from the hotel the what the fuck is this lamp light light torch light and from there all the way up to uh the, where the homeless people would be, and I would walk around, walk up there, get something at lunchtime, and but sometime in the morning I would walk that way just to uh, go to the store. And what street was that? Amador. And these fucking kids, I mean, every fucking day I walk, would pass there in a truck, and I like had a I. Even went so far as to get some stones, putting them in a sock and walked around with that, held it in my hand. Even the police was kind of fucked up with that shit, you know. Pairs there looking at me like I'm doing something wrong by walking. Uh, but then, you know, it, 
I almost say you can expect it, but not really. I don't expect to be fucking fucked with this. Look, right now, and I ain't walking around with no fucking rocks and no socks and I'm gonna beat nobody with, you know, if they come up on me. I can't even afford to let them. That was just five years ago, and I can't even afford to let them come up on me now and get close to me. Uh, so I'm going to shoot their ass. Um, I hate to say that, but then, you know, the thing is, it's either me or them, and they're going to see me as nothing but an old fucking man. Maybe I need to dye my hair. But, I, uh, I think it's actually fucking crazy. And, you know, the ones... Whether you've got a tenth, one percent, or ninety percent of white blood, whether they can identify you, any characteristics, any traits they can see that's obviously going to give you away as not being white, you're not white. Uh, and the thing is, but what we say is, or how we see it, how we act with it is that if, you know, I'm closer to white, I'm better than you. <laughs> yeah, we do. And that is crazy. But that is, that's, that's the mentality of the world. Okay, what's going on, Elsa? Seen some shit on the news and it's bothering me that all of these damn cooks nowadays that they're making all this money saying how phenomenal they are are white boys. How'd that happen? Like I remember in New Orleans, I mean, it's a cooking city. In New Orleans, they used to, uh, used to uh cook say they gave this thing this damn name chef they say a chef what's a fucking chef you know a chef ain't nobody but you know who take talented cooks chef can create but a chef can't create without cooks a chef is a cook first if he's worth anything before he's a chef. A chef don't come out of college and say, ta-da, I am a chef. A chef work his way up. Black chef usually work their way up from dishwashing. Now, again, I'd say some people who cooked. My daddy was a phenomenal cook. Cook anything. They called it New Orleans style, Creole style, whatever we called it food. I mean, not every day. I mean, when my daddy cooked a kawang, yeah, that was a special thing. He cooked rabbit. Yeah, that was a special thing because he was a working man. Some people could cook that every day for people if they had it. Even cook it for themselves if they wanted. If they lived out in the country, you kept, kept your sauce going, but it's kind of time consuming. And not a time consuming, it's all about timing when you cook. 
Um, honestly, yeah, it's, it's about timing. Because first, let, let's do... Let's do Kawain. Cut that turtle out the shell. Know how to do that, huh? Well, you just go ahead, cut around the shell. And then if you're lucky, you ain't got to split the shell, but most people split it. And then you split it on one side or the other, or either on both sides. And trim that underneath there. That was the city coming get me. Somebody on a four wheeler. And you take the uh that take that turret and trim it up. Uh you get those muscle parts. Take them guts out, put all that shit on the side. And then you go ahead on and get that meat out of there. Trim around that shell where that uh flesh make contact with it. And once you get that loose there, you got to take that meat out of their skin, slice it along there, and then just slowly slice in there as you pull it around the skin and where the skin and meat meet. Um, maybe you might put a little cut around the whole bottom, circle around the bottom, and then just use the top and cut it along there and let the weight pull it down, depends on how big the turtle is. Once you get all that meat and stuff put together, make sure you uh, don't cut your hand with that turtle. Go ahead, clean your knife up. Take that turtle meat, put it in some water. You can use salt or vinegar, it's up to you. Vinegar don't do nothing but run any kind of parasites out. Salt do the same. But that vinegar leave a little uh, vinegary taste. meat up there. Some people sit it overnight, 24 hours. Some sit it uh, down. Down. I say down. 24 hours. Some sit it, you know, maybe a few, a few hours. Depends. My daddy Yule did that and set it the next day. And the next day he'll start cooking. He wouldn't cut his season up that day. Seasoning overnight kind of leave a little funky smell. He usually liked his seasoning cut up that morning. And he would usually get us. Now, he showed us how to cut up seasoning when we were kids, as we were coming up. If you know anything, you knew how he wanted seasoning cut. You didn't rush through it, otherwise you're going to sit there and cut all that shit up all over again. Um, the celery, the onion, bell pepper, garlic, and uh, 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 that one was pretty much it. So, potatoes sometimes, depends on what he was cooking. If he was cooking uh, small potatoes, you know, he had to cook that potatoes up. You didn't cut his sausage, he cut his sausage itself. Because you'd be the nate half the sausage, but wouldn't even make it to the pot. <laughs> but, uh, now the next day, you wake up, he's going to be home when he's cooking that turtle. Because he's going to have to stew for about three hours. 
you take that turtle, uh, uh, take that, get up in the morning, get one of us, get up, cut that seasoning. Tell you how much, give me a couple of onions, a couple of bell peppers, you know, clove of garlic, a couple of cloves of garlic, and uh, da-da-da. And celery, about four or five stalks of celery. Cut that up, have it on a big plate. You get up there, take that big old fat pot. Wasn't tall, but it was fat. Shit, it had to be about five quarts on. Set that sucker on that project stove. And, uh, start sauteing that seasoning. Take that meat and start rinsing that meat out while that seasoning sauteing. And you know, take that seasoning. Once that seasoning, onions start getting translucent, onion celery getting translucent. Take the little pieces of meat and throw it in there. Scatter it all, make sure it's all across the pot. Bottom, turn the fire up a little bit because you want to sear it. You want to sear the onions and everything. Put all that shit together. Now you got a can of tomato paste, a couple of cans of tomato sauce. Got him some more sauces on the side. I think they use a lot of Worcestershire sauce there. But they use pepper, cayenne pepper. And he would uh, have that down there on the, in that pot. And it's searing. Stir it up. Make sure all the uh, meat on the other side gets seared. You're sitting there and he talking to you about anything. Might even be about cooking, most likely. Telling you exactly how you cooking it, how you want it. And then he'll go ahead on and sear it up some more. Take that tomato sauce, little tomato paste, and he'll take that meat out. Once that meat gets seared up, he'll turn that fire down, put that tomato paste in there, and mix that tomato paste up with that onion. And then go ahead on and uh, cook that. Turn the fire up a little bit so it kind of starts sticking. Have all that onion and shit, all the seasoning mixed up in it. That little bit of can of tomato paste is powerful. Next thing you know, once it all gets like it's about to lump up, Hit it with that tomato sauce. Turn that fire down. Mix it up till it's nice and smooth. Get you some water in those three cans. <coughs> mix that. Make sure you get all that tomato sauce out, all paste out there. Mix that up. Throw that can of water in there. Get that big spoon. Now, that's always what I saw with the big spoon. And before you put that meat back in there, Put the salt, pepper, cayenne pepper. He didn't put all uh, parsley in there, dry parsley. He put parsley in there, was at the end. And any other seasonings he might put in there. He'd put in with it with sauteing with the onion, but he didn't use many seasonings. 
other than, you know, those that I described. Peppers, sometimes he might have some little bitty peppers he might cut up and put in there. Fresh, fresh garden peppers. And I mean the hot kind. A kind you can find all over Louisiana almost. And once he uh, get that going smooth and starting to heat up, bubble up, you add the rest of that water in there, whip it up some more, smooth it out, turn it up, check the taste of it, still tastes good, it's okay. Then they'll start putting the meat in there once uh, uh, it starts heating up. And I don't know why I wait till it heat up to put the meat in there. But he bring it in there and bring that pot up to a little slight boil. Not an old rolling hard boil, but a slight boil. Where it's about to jump to the next stage of boiling. Where it's going to boil out the pot if you don't watch it. And you cut it down. Put that pot on there. I think it was a flat pot. It might have been a round top to that pot. You know. Give it a little lift. Didn't even have a uh, knob on it. It was one of them pots that you uh, had a knob on it. But then now you just stuck a fork in to take it on and off. Move it on and off. And it usually was a vent now. Yeah. So once uh, you let that cook down, you usually go in the room. Say, I'm going in the room. I'm going to just let this cook down. Uh, now, he don't cook by distance. He never, he never wants you to cook by distance. But see, that was daddy, and it was all in the timing. Wake me up if I go to sleep. So that meant you was responsible for that part. And, you know, if you took him serious, you was. Because then you got to eat first out that pot with him, no matter what it was. Even if it was something he had to cook for somebody else, like a rabbit. You know, you didn't, everybody didn't get that rabbit. Somebody might come around there and say, hey, I've got a couple rabbits. You don't want to cook? One for me? Now, you know, he couldn't stretch 11. Uh-oh, that rabbit to 11 kids, so... You know, my mom got some, he got some of that rabbit, and whoever helped him cook it was sure to get some. But mostly, the rest of them got gravy. <laughs> but, you know, the thing was, he, uh, it, I mean, he was teaching you how to cook. And then, Kai Wang, you know, I learned how to cook Kai Wang when uh, God, they were in the project and I had to go out the military. That was one of the first things he taught me after I got out of the military. But everything else, you know, I watched them cooking red beans and rice. That was, if you couldn't cook red beans and rice by the time you were seven years old, something was wrong. Uh, in my house, uh, grits, I didn't, I didn't do oatmeal, so I never bothered cooking it. I mean, I'm, I know how to cook it. But I just didn't eat oatmeal, and you couldn't even force me to eat oatmeal. Um, now, another cook that was, I mean, I had got way off subject. <clears throat> another cook I knew that was phenomenal was Miss Rose, my first wife, mama. And I mean, Miss Rose LeBeau. And she was a nurse, too. Worked her way up to being a nurse. Uh, but she used to cook, and she cooked a lot at home, and, you know, her cooking but everybody home just like my pa cooking <laughs> but she was she used to work in the restaurant business and uh there was these restaurants she used to tell these tales 
I used to have these motherfuckers come in there where she worked there. And this was like in the old, old days. This was like in the 40s and shit. And how they come in there talking shit to them, you know, simply because they were black and then have them cook their food. They said, yep, they would always find some piss or something or some spit or something to put in their food. Just like they did bastard. Well, Mrs. LeBeau was a phenomenal cook. Another cook was uh, my uh, second wife, Joan. Joan made some crab fucking stew. She would cook saute and onion down too. Uh, saute and um, green onion. And she wasn't a vegetarian. <laughs> that was before I got into being a vegetarian vegan. And it was, uh, she would cook steaks and have, that was special. Cook steaks with the, uh, Mushrooms and green onions, sauteed the mushrooms and green onions down so slow. I mean, it was like candy. Uh, she's the one who actually showed me how to caramelize onion. But she was actually a phenomenal cook. And uh, but Miss LeBeau, uh, Rosemary LeBeau, and my dad are two of the best cooks. And I mean, there were nothing but cooks. But getting back to now that they got these cooks. Uh, these white guys who's actually been named best cooks of this and that and everything else uh, known around the world for cooking. When did that shit fucking happen? When did they start cooking and where did they get that shit from? You know, and I know I've looked at the Great American or Great British cooking show and all that other shit and I think it's really entertaining. And I like it. Don't get me wrong. I like those kind of programs. But come on now. Is that it? And I mean, you, you, you know, you can't really judge the food we cook on the same basis you judge this complicated stuff you come up with, you call um, the art, culinary art. And I mean, come on, culinary art is nothing but, you know, having somebody eat some shit you throw together. That's the art of it. A deceitful art. I mean, it's be different if it was uh, good for you. <laughs> but it's not even good for you. you know? It's really not. You go in with your diet and eating meat and all this other stuff. That's good. But I'm, I'm you know, still don't know how, you know, when, you know, these same people who weren't even able to take care of themselves or their kids or their wife or cook an egg for them. All of a sudden, able to take care of themselves. Yeah, they I mean, you know, they were adventurous when they first came over here and slaughtered everything. Once they enslaved things, you know, that that was it. They didn't even have the time to throw a, a, a buffalo on a grill. But I just don't understand that, you know. Now, the pyramids, it's another thing I had uh, got in my mind. The pyramids, take those pyramids. Now, I've already explained why I think they've been around for forever, you know. I'm not going to let them, for one, you know, say, hey, this has been around here forever when they ever, and they say science. Don't you believe in science? Oh, I do. <laughs> 
but not in their hands because science in their hands has always about been about proving um, a narrative that shows they discovered everything like it really makes a difference right nowadays because nobody know what the fuck to believe but it's a narrative that they could carry on and it's actually fit into this damn uh, critical race theory you want to come up here but pyramids now we know the sun okay I said before 10,000 years ago the pyramids lined up exactly where the Rhine's belt boom Uh, now I'm gonna tell you where the star David comes from Star David. If you take the sunrise now, the sun, pyramid is stationary. Sun come up, hit one side of the pyramid, throws a shadow. Boom. A long shadow. Now that shadow's fitting in that base. Throw that pyramid on the other side. I mean, when that sun going down, that shadow on the other side. Actually, you got two points there, one on each side. Now, as the season change, as the season change, hitting an equinox and a solstice, so point would be opposite left on the rise and it would be or rather more west on the rise that the point of the pyramid now you're still in mind even though that one in the center's gone it's still there and then you got that one on the left or the west more westerly and then you got the one on the east on the other side of equinox or the solar uh, uh, solstice, you got it more east with that one still west and that one still center. And you got this one more west, I mean more east on the sunrise and at the sunset, it would be more west. Now, that is Star David where it come from been so long ago they forgot it that's why it was easy to pick up by alien fucking civilization who was able to interpret that uh, and who burned down <laughs> Alexandra the library but got knowledge got things before they burned it down So, I mean, it wasn't just knowledge of Egypt, it was world knowledge. But anyway, it was that, it was there that 
that Star David was born in that in the shadows in the sun with the sun the shadow in the pyramids heard it here first and ain't that some shit that goes way way back now huh See, the narrative in the Bible, Old Testament, where they were escaping Egypt, it's not true. Because for one, you know, it don't fit with nature. Uh, never they say they were migrating out or escaping out. They say they were domesticated. They got on domesticated uh, camels, loaded their camels and got up. There weren't any camels domesticated back then. Um, so that that didn't happen maybe the 1600 BC. The domestication of our uh, camels and use of them. And that came out of Arabic first. But, so science, no, I don't let them. How do I know this? <laughs> you wouldn't believe me if I told you. You know, Alexander wasn't that old. It wasn't. It didn't last that long either. And the thing about it was, they had Timbuktu. Timbuktu is a university city in Africa. Um, you know, the Bible even take Jesus. out ancient Egyptian uh, mythology. Orion in the sky, night god, god of the night. That's all they did. I mean, because they did watch the night. It wasn't the nighttime was bad. Bad now. But no, that's what uh, I actually have been thinking about that a long time. Had try to design it, put it down on paper and stuff. You know, and I did, actually. Uh, oh, I did. Oh, fuck yeah, I did. I made calendars and everything with it. And, um, I don't know. I, uh, <laughs> I don't know. It's like, um, things are obvious people don't see them and I, I'm not <laughs> you know I'm not no fucking genius or what you would call a genius or anything but I'm observing and I mean just take the simplest things the simplest explanation instead of making things more complicated and look at things that way again I've looked at things a little different uh, because I suffer from vertical and motion sickness I kept my eyes closed a lot imagine things so it's not hard for me to, you know, look above the, uh, like a phoenix hovering above the uh, phoenix, I mean, the uh, uh, pyramids all day watching the sun. You know, phoenix watch it all year long and could see that itself. So 
you know, I can imagine that, and I, you know, it makes sense to me. Uh, where else would this symbol come from? I mean, really? <laughs> okay. Enough for that. Uh, let me let this dog run. Then I'm talking about the banking crisis. one of those damn kite planes. Guy just took off. Shit, maybe a hundred yards from here. The boondocker. And uh, flying around now. But, uh, you know, out here, it's so different. I mean, that that's what you hear right there. You don't hear that all day. It's not like the grind in the city. And I mean, there is a grind. There's a constant fucking hum. And now this guy just flying around in a fucking circle up there. Look like you're getting higher. Higher and higher going in a circle. Maybe I ought to get my camera ready, huh? Just in case. But no, I was talking about that cooking. And you know, the thing about New Orleans and New Orleans style, it was just something we done, we could cook anything. I mean, and it wasn't known to us as a style of cooking. We did use gravy. Uh, we used uh, uh, red gravy, brown gravy on chicken, beef, anything. Uh, I would, uh, when I was in sixth grade, I was the closest home. I was at Moton. The rest of my family was in uh, Edwards. So I was the closest to home. So uh, mama worked at the school as a hall monitor. So there wasn't anyone home during the daytime. I was the first one got home because I went to Moton in the sixth grade and I got a key to come on home and start the food. Now, I, um, When it came to red beans, you just cut up the season, put the water on the ball, put the beans on the ball, and it was all about the timing. Again, you put the water and the beans on the ball, uh, put some oil in it. While you're cutting up the seasoning, your uh, water coming to a boil, you put the seasoning in there. If you're gonna have any meats, uh, you uh, put the meats on a, uh, another pot to boil, and you didn't boil pickle meat with the beans. Uh, drain the fat and then you would put it in the beans uh, or it didn't matter we would do hot dogs and fucking beans uh, what else no chicken chicken you know it was either reserved for brown gravy red gravy and I would come home and start the cooking uh, by the time they got home depends on what it was it was either finished or needed further monitoring with you know, your little mama would take over, or one of the, one of the other kids, since I worked so hard to get it started. But that went on until I was in, uh, for that year. But the thing, it was all about the timing. And by the time they came home and everything was on and ready, rolling, uh, if it wasn't finished, somebody, like I said, somebody else would go, but... We grew up cooking. Uh, 
hard. It was easy to get a job in restaurants. One thing or another, usually black men would want to start your ass off as a fucking uh, busboy or some bullshit like that. Not even busboy. I didn't even want you on the floor washing pots and pans and dishes. And then you can move, eventually maybe move up to cooking, prep cooking or or whatever. I don't know. I didn't work in New Orleans kitchen to that capacity. I worked right in the uh, bar, like bar industry of this, that side. Well, they did have cooking, but it wasn't that kind of cooking. It was grill cooking. Uh, downstairs restaurant was like a... a uh, when I work at the Trico House, that was like a touristy restaurant, but it was pretty much things that were made up, and as they came up, they served it. Um, shrimp Creole. Barbecue shrimp. And I actually never heard of barbecue shrimp until I went to the French Quarter and worked. I mean, we did shrimps, something like that, but we didn't barbecue, call them barbecue shrimp. Um, it was a lot of things that made French Quarter cooking different than our own style cooking. For one, you know, it wasn't as seasoned as our food, unless they called it Cajun. And then Cajun, mostly it was uh, that, uh, uh, what's that, uh, cat, what, that catfish, Creole catfish, what's the name of that shit, where they put that fucking spice all over that shit, and it's too fucking hot to tell what you're even eating, I mean, and that shit's some terrible shit, where they put the uh, cayenne pepper, white pepper, brown pepper, black pepper, uh, garlic powder, granulated garlic, onion, uh, cumin, Oh, God, it just, what was that shit blacking? That blacking, and I mean, that's just fucking ridiculous. I don't know who can even came up with that shit. But we never cooked nothing like that. And when, you know, bring that shit home and to somebody that my blacking, they're like, what the fuck? It's hot. Uh, I never had any, uh, now Miss Rose cooked. Uh, what's that belly? Not tripe. Uh, chillings. Uh, and when she cooked them, you could tell it was in that house. It was being cooked. But I didn't eat them. I tasted it. But I have no good real liking for that, you know. I mean, it's nothing against it, but I just don't like it. Especially something that doesn't smell like shit. My daddy never cooked it. I've never even, you know... Remember mentioning him even mentioning chitlins in the house or in his uh, repertoire of cooking, but you know he just wasn't something we ate. I mean, we ate some things, ate coons. He would bring coons home and have them sitting in the freezer, fur and everything, until uh, he was ready to cook them. And once he cooked them, he pull them out and you know he skinned them and stuff. And you only skinned them and did that kind of shit when we went to church on Sunday. By the time we came back. Because he'd take it out, and I always used to think those damn things were going to throw out and come alive. But, you know, that's, that, that, I mean, the more I fuck around here, the more I uh, miss home and the cooking. Now, I know I said I was going to leave the country, go to Mexico. like Mexico out of the equation. The way they kidnapping niggas down there. I ain't gonna have a chance, so I, uh, 
It's either gonna be Costa Rica or I gotta find me a black city, but I think I gotta try Costa Rica first before I come back or say I didn't and end up regretting it. Uh, what else have I been thinking about this week? I hadn't looked at much news, but I'll tell you what I did do. I went to the Goodwill the other day and got a antenna. Uh, antenna I've been looking at forever. I got a, a, a rabbit ears last week, and the rabbit ears just fucking would not work right. And end up breaking. So I uh, was there yesterday. I was uh, getting some toys for the doll. She needed toys, some rough toys. I wanted to see what they had. And actually got a couple of things there for her. But I saw this... Um, antenna it's a flat antenna and i know it was a tv antenna but it one of those flat square ones and i just uh say fuck it it's four dollar thirty something cent and uh bought it home and put it out there put it on the bathroom window tilted it up and that fuck us working great i mean i've got nbc cbs could watch the news now and uh i'm glad i'm glad for that because i uh Hadn't looked at any news and actually hadn't seen any news since I put it up because I put it up yesterday evening. Well, yeah, I put it up yesterday. I did see the evening news, but didn't pay much attention to it and was actually watching um, the final four, some of the final four and caught the news on the end. Now, I know there's been a lot. Or they protesting over in uh, Europe, huh? Paris, France, because the government then went up on uh, the uh, age for retirement. They got to work two extra years before they've been <laughs> retired, so they raised it up. And what you hear on the news is how the citizens of the uh, France is raising up against the government, you know. And you hear that a lot where. Uh, they say a per people who's rising up against uh, some policies or something rising up against their governments. Now, you will hear that comment given all over the world, saying, you know, these such and such is rising up above the um, over the government. This uh, oppressive government, a dreadful government. But the thing is, when uh, seems when uh, blacks do that in the United States, they tag it as uh, not rising uh, uh, up against the government. They tag it as terrorism against the government. Yep. Now, they're burning up some shit over in France. <laughs> I mean, burning up some shit. But they equating that to a, a, a governmental uprising. Government uprising over policy, oppressive policy, or unjust policies, or some kind of policy that they figure they have a right to protests against and going out there and burn shit. And them the white ones too. So, you know, but when they do that, it's rising. Just like uh, that, they call it January the 6th shit. 
that's what that, you know, came along. They uh, actually called that against the government. But blacks never rise. Blacks only rise up against police, police policies. Uh, never the government officials, never the Supreme Court, never the government policies. And we know the government, you know, have a long, long history in enforcing oppressive policies against us. And still there, these laws still trying to be changed, meaning they haven't changed, most of them. I mean, and what's been changed is superficial only until, you know, the people implemented in their own mentality that, you know, it's wrong. But, they, you know, until that, you know, they can make all the fucking laws they want. Ain't gonna be no good, though. So, but, so it was easy to get jobs in restaurants in New Orleans. Um, And, you know, Most of us done it, but you know, most of us didn't. Cause at first, my dad—I didn't do it until after I uh, left my parents' home. It came went in the military, came back in, and you know that was way after I had uh, tried their other things. But it was easy to get into the restaurant because I wasn't—I I didn't mind starting at the bottom, which I did, and I worked my way from you know bus boys and different things to uh, um, waiter restaurant manager to um, a bartender fuck right there in New Orleans too I was one of them but you know I uh, I wasn't one of them I was just one who you know looked for looked for a way up and if I couldn't if I worked at a job and knew I couldn't get a way up that was it. Fuck that job. I uh, worked at one place and God, had to be just before I left New Orleans, before I started Hogsbrook. <clears throat> and I, uh, it was a Cajun cabin, as a matter of fact. And this little bitty sharp man, I can't even think of his fucking name. Who managed the place, ran the place, maybe even had owned the place. It was me and two other black dudes in the kitchen, you know, I guess prep cooking, but but what the thing was, I think the cook owner cooked it and we just served it. We heated it up and served it, kept it on a, a hot thing ready for service when people come in. The white person would be out there taking the orders and stuff, come back there with the ticket. And that's how it was. It was a white face with the black cooks. And I mean, I never did like that shit. Because usually when you get back there in a, in a place like that, you're fucking pretty much stuck. And you're not going to rise. So it was me and these two other black dudes. One was all right, straight up. Uh, but he didn't say nothing. Didn't, you know, kept his mouth fucking quiet. But on, he was on one level, he was pretty up squeezes. Now nah, the other one was just fucking totally up squeezed. He just laughed at this man, anything this man thought of, he started laughing. <laughs> but, you know, he was like that kind of dude, you know, one of them fuckers who, you know, said this fucking clown and just make you, make you want to just slap the piss out of him, you know. Say, stop kissing this man's ass, and, you know. Even when you make it obvious in front of this man. But I uh, worked there, and this guy... Uh, 
we was in the back talking, and the guy had an attitude this day. One of these little short motherfuckers who could jump Napoleon right fast. And tell us to be quiet. You know, he walked through there and said that shit, and just let him go, go to the office, whatever. And then, you know, he come back, we still talking. He said, I said be quiet. Dude, stop that. You can't tell nobody, be quiet, stop talking. If you want to work here, I can. I'm like, oh, fuck, okay, there you go. Saying, if you can't be quiet, go home. Yeah, me and my mouth, you know, I'm like, dude. Okay, I'm gonna go, because you can't tell nobody, just shut up, man. I mean, you can't, you, I mean, if, I was to stay here now and you telling me shut up, what kind of fucking shit is that, man? You can't tell nobody, shut up, don't talk, what? I started, I say, I started leaving, taking the apron and shit off. I said, you want me to come back tomorrow? Not if you're gonna, not if you can't shut up. Say, might have cussed. <laughs> I didn't even bother showing up. Showed up a couple of weeks later, got my fucking check. By that time, he wasn't mad. He forgot why I even <laughs> didn't work there no more. But yeah, but that was uh, before I went to Alaska, before I started Hogs Breath. But the thing is, cooking is relatively easy for most people in New Orleans. We could cook up some food. I just cooked some butter beans yesterday. Butter beans, oh, gave me some gas. Uh, half a pound, I cooked them up and I ate them. I ate the rest this morning. Um, butter bean with some sweet potato. I boiled up a half a sweet potato and mashed them up and, you know, had that. Had some rice with it, some brown rice. So, but I guess, you know, them beans, whew, I gotta let it pass through me before I have some more. But you know what messed me up was that apple fritter I ate this morning. Yep, a big fat one. I gotta leave them sweets alone. That bread especially. And the apple fritter ain't nothing but bread. Now, you know, with this, you know, with this shit going on in human, you know, I just, you know, I do understand it, but I don't, you know, because, again, there's some really, really genuinely nice fucking people uh, in Yuma. And, but then they got some fuck. But you never know, like I said, where it's coming from. And then, you know, they be in these cars driving. They run over you, run the fuck over you, keep going. <laughs> we know how easy that is anywhere. But in a place like that where the cameras aren't too, uh, too in, in, in obvious places. But anyway, some numbers I want to get to. Uh, U.S. spent in the U.S. in 2000 or and so far this year, 2.46 trillion. They expected to spend up to, uh, Six trillion, I think. Now, you know, seems like every time blacks get to the point of reparations, you know, some bullshit goes on. 
face this deficit every year, you hear the same fucking song about these people playing with money. Biden and Gardner started spending fucking money like crazy. Sending money to Ukraine like Ukraine, our next state that's going to be fucking joining us. And they got the same amount of people as the black population in this country. And they have not thrown money at it. As a matter of fact, the same money I'm talking about, you know, supposed to fix up the infrastructures in the city. This 2.46 trillion supposed to take care of health care and all kind of shit inside the city, but it don't. They take care of it outside in these rural areas, suburb areas. And then they say that they don't pay their taxes. But I'm not even getting it to the point of the taxes. That's just the money the government give away to take care of the well-being of the United States citizens. Now, you know, we uh, go to ask for reparations. I say fuck that. Uh, you got to take your reparations. Every time you start asking for reparations, here comes some shit happening. Every 13 years seems like getting to be 11 years now. Some shit happened where, you know, the, the conversation of reparation is turned around. And, and now with them giving reparations and these little small gestures in these places, really, that's what it's going to be like. I'll tell you what. Let's do this. As far as foreign aid, United States give away $300 billion a year. Now... We got 400, I mean, we got 40 million blacks. That's the population we're gonna go with, rough. Uh, now, you take and give them, each of them, 100 million, yeah. That's 40 million people, with four, zero, with six zeros to follow. You give them 100, I mean, 100 million each, that's going to take you into billions, zillions. Yeah. And I, I think you can manage that. Fuck. I mean, over the last 10 years, you didn't spend nearly one zillion. Come on now. And we ain't get fucked. Not only that. You could do this. Then. Let's give each black 10 million. Yeah, not a hundred, ten million, and acre land. Not just an acre land, but the right to grow anything he wants on that acre of land. Mainly, I'm talking about taking over marijuana industry, cannabis. I don't matter where the United fucking States government co cover you. I don't give a fuck what the local law in Mississippi say, Alabama, or Tennessee. You're legal. Get some seeds. Get your garden growing. Now, we need some textile workers. You could grow that shit. Have your own fence that shit off. Work together. I see we gotta stop the fighting too. Somebody get caught stealing your shit. I'm sorry, debt. That's it. That's fucking debt. But we got to get, I see this got to be for us. No, by us, with us. 
They got a lot of companies that then fell. We could use those. Mm, give us a hundred scattered around the country. Out of that hundred scattered around the country, we're going to turn them into whatever we need them. Textiles for marijuana. It's going to be legal for us to take our cannabis, not the flowers, that's for us to smoke. But what we're going to take is the stilliums, the leftovers, sell it per weight. We're going to make t-shirts, papers, clothing, fuel, furniture. You have so many things you can make with that. So, you got to take that over. Take the marijuana industry over, cannabis. Pass out them seeds. Don't spend your money. You get 10 million, you take 1 million. Don't take no fucking trip. Don't take no Cadillac. Get you a truck. Get you some gear. Go live on your acre. Get you a camper. And be careful because they're going to be high priced. Get you something. Don't spend no whole lot of money. Find you that spot. And some of them in the city too. You could get an acre out or a lot inside the city. And I mean, you know, maybe a lot that's like three, four lots deep, big. Nothing small, but something sufficient. And you can put your gross, your food in there, or your own fucking food. Then we're going to have police. Garden police that walk. They ain't out there to harass the 95% that law abiding. They're going to be there to look out for you. Watch your gardens. Make sure. You're going to have your own garden there too. So, is that textile stuff coming in? We could make contracts for them to sell it to us or we can buy it back from ourselves or have a co-op. I got a lot more brilliant uh, uh, business mind than me. But that's what I see. Now, you know, they're going to put up a big fight. Fuck it. From my experience, you know, marijuana been all over this fucking country for a long time. And the white folks been controlling it, growing it. And again, I say, I've been all over this country and that's where I got the best fucking weed from. So, 10 million each, that would be $40 trillion. That would be four zero with one, two, three, four sets of, uh, I think that's trillion. Yep, billion trillion. And, um, that should take care of it. But yeah, get you, uh, save you some money. Now, do you invest this 10 million? Nope. Buy you some property. I just know any property. Something that's going to be easily to defend. 
buy you some shit that you're gonna be able to trade with because some shit coming and they're talking about the price of gold <laughs> don't let it fool you gold is whatever price you make it uh now you know again i say you know with the united states spending this kind of money 40 trillion i mean 10 trillion a year upwards and i mean that's just what you see so and I mean, they print money like this. Nothing, right? Money ain't nothing. But it's used to buy these possessions that uh, we call wealth, a home, properties, and different things. That's what so-called building wealth. And not only is that, they're not investing in stocks. They're investing a little money in stocks and different things where they could get you know, dividends and stuff back monthly in return. But mostly they invest in them, what they call it, and they bullshitting them with this and gold and silver, precious metals, that they're gonna be able to, once the uh, banking industry do fall, that they're gonna be able to uh, use for money. Now, I don't think that's gonna be worth as much as they think it's gonna be worth because they're gonna put a price on that. It's, the, what's gonna be worth money is people gonna be able to do things, you know, work with your hand, be able to live without money. You got a garden, uh, you got ways of making your own electricity. Uh, I mean, and if the banking industry then fell down and nobody got no money, they can't very well force people to do that. Uh, uh, will the utility companies fold? Maybe, I don't know, but uh, something's gonna be coming in. The banking crisis, you know, with that bailout, just shows you how money is actually worth nothing. Um, okay. Um, 1933, United States. Okay. It, money used to be based on gold. It was backed by gold. Uh, uh, inflation, the cost of things was backed by gold. That dollar bill was actually uh, maybe... Well, the $50 gold piece, it was 50 of those dollars. Now, you know you could go to a store, back there, cowboy days, you'd go there and get a fucking uh, a bottle of whiskey for what, a nickel or so? <laughs> you know, the, then the term two bits came in, you know, uh, shit was two bits a quarter. If it was over a quarter, a quarter was fucking expensive, two bits. But it used to be backed by gold, the, the money. So the money you spent, you know, that you were spending gold and if they wanted to, they go to the bank and collect that, bring those notes and then collect gold for it. Um, now, after, uh, I think World War One, they came back and they started uh, pushing this new concept of buy now pay later after a while you know with that going on the banking industry you know buy, bought up selling all these homes and different uh, things what happened was they didn't uh, anticipate that people would be paying their bills <laughs> now banking industry was folding you know stock market changed the speculation uh, went crazy where um, 
I guess people were just selling selling their stocks and wanting their money and they crashed the banks. Didn't have enough money to pay them. So, with the war going on, they, uh, now, see, the United States wasn't the first one to drop the gold standard. They was actually following the rest of Europe. With the war going on, they dropped the gold standard because they couldn't print money uh, without, with the gold backing it. Uh, to go back and say, okay, no, you can only print this much money. I mean, so they took it off the gold standard or made it illegal to have gold. Now, the rest of Europe had already done this. And that was an effort so they could print more money to buy more equipment for the war. 1933, Franklin Delano Roosevelt actually took uh, the money off the gold market. I mean, gold back, gold dollar just wasn't backed by shit no more. Nothing. Uh, some superficial idea of how this money still worked this. The idea that it's backed by money, but it's not, I mean, gold, but it's nothing backed by nothing. Uh, and what they did, they got the uh, Federal Reserve uh, involved. And the Federal Reserve became a business unto itself. Now, this business wasn't owned by United States people, it was owned by the banking industry, or the Rockefellers, the, uh, 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 you know who I'm talking about, by these people, and they um, formed this private bank. Now, you, you know, anytime the United States need money, this so-called money that's not backed by anything, this bank, and this, I don't know if this to keep them in, under control or what, but this bank actually uh, has the um, right to sell, to print this money, sell it to the United States, the public, and collect interest off it. And we know the fucking dollar bill ain't even worth the paper it's printed on. It's not. The paper's worth more than the fucking dollar. But this is the concept that we live under today. Like, this money's worth something. So, what I'm saying is money's not worth anything. And the banking industry, you know, could give out any day. And that money, you got them thousands, of hundreds of dollars, millions of dollars you got in the bank. You know, they say you, they're going to give you 100000 of it. That's how much they insured. But the rest, you fucked. And you know who's going to get paid first. So... The thing is, you know, if you get that kind of money, you buy yourself property, you and you get you some way of protecting that property, guarding that property, that compound, and um, you should do good. Uh, stop fighting each other. Uh, link up with people like mine. I mean, and this shit could work, you know. And I mean, it's got to be a takeover. Uh, of marijuana and they can't look they cannot tell you anymore with half of the fucking country able to smoke this shit and most of the countries that I mean country most of the uh, states that don't smoke it is or not allowed to smoke it is just countries that uh, uh, I mean states that's mostly black have a large black population that's fucking criminal in itself so stop asking for reparation and take it and this is 
the thing. I mean, we have a long history with marijuana. We do. Um, and they gave us crack. Give them crack back. Uh, get some seeds. Spread some seeds around. Heirloom seeds that you know will grow again next year if you take the thing out. Uh-huh. You don't have to grow weed, but you grow any damn thing you want. You can feed yourself. But the thing is, we've got to stop saying, oh, please give me reparations and take it. The banking industry? Ah. I covered the pyramid in the sun, the French protest, banking, the Great Depression, yeah. Didn't have no depressions like that until banking was taken off the uh, gold thing. And it was done for war, able to print unlimited amount of money. Ain't worth papers printing on. Money only good to buy physical wealth. Uh, saving 401k ain't gonna be nothing, no value. All right, I'm out. Ha <laughs> ha.